Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Adam White. So, we put away our costumes and our fireworks for this year, at least, and start thinking about putting up those stockings. But who's already looking forward to a winter break, and who seems to be already on this? <laughs> More on that, and the latest in Liga, after the latest headlines. On Friday, high-flying Lille had their wings clipped a little in a relatively uneventful nil-nil draw at home to Strasbourg. That was made up on Saturday as the early game saw Lyon come from behind to win 4-2 against bottom side Gangomp. Marcus Taram scored twice in Jocelyn Govenek's return to the Breton club, but a brace from Memphis Depay in between strikes from Hussein Awa and Maxwell Corne gave Legon the victory. In the multiplex, Montpellier are finally been beaten as they failed uh, 1-0 at Angers as Nice managed the same scoreline at Nîmes to get a victory. Saint-Étienne made it two wins on the bounce with a 2-0 victory over Reims as Toulouse continued to slide down the table with a 1-0 loss against Amiens. On Sunday, Bordeaux and Caen Cancelled each other out in a goalless draw, while Marseille got back to winning ways after being dumped out of the Europa League with a 2-0 result over Dijon. Rennes stopped Nantes' recent winning one, but only managed a one or draw in the Breton derby. Jakob Johansson got the hosts ahead, but the effervescent Emiliano Sala earned the point for Le Canary. In the late game, Paris Saint-Germain continue to stride forward in Ligue 1 as they never really had to get out of third gear against Monaco, winning 4-0. A hat-trick for Edinson Gavani and a penalty for Neymar alongside a number of VAR decisions that counted goals and didn't count other goals meant that Paris strode to a strong victory. Monaco now winless in their last 16 games. And that's all for now. But to keep you up to date with all the news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week um, with a game from this evening and we'll be talking around both clubs quite a bit this evening, really. But starting with the game tonight where PSG, like was mentioned in the news, really didn't have to do much or anything to... Uh, Cut down a, a lowly Monaco side that's got a, an injury list as long as my left arm, Adam, and it only keeps growing as it, it was a couple more injuries tonight. And it, while it was a shame that it wasn't more competitive, at the same time, Monaco are in some real deep uh, deep trouble. They really are. <laughs> they're in so much trouble. I think the thing that um, kind of underlined how much trouble they're in and what a bad run they're in and sort of the crisis they're in was Thierry Henry's reaction. Uh, on on the touchlines, he he just looked sort of flabbergasted. And there was one point I saw him saying, mouthing "Wow" to himself when when Jordi Mbula got injured and it had to be was was forced off. Um, it's really difficult to see how Monaco sort of like arrest this this slide um, with the, the number of injuries they have. They are relying even more so on on youth products and and kids, you know, teenagers. Um, we saw Wilson as a dog. You know, get his his league and I think it's his league and debut today. Um, who's who's eighteen? And you, they're starting with Balashile in defence, who's only seventeen. And when they lacked experience beforehand, um, at least you could say that some of those players had got some game time under the belts this season. You know, players like Sofiane Diap, 
so Diop, sorry, and and one or two others. But now they're sort of they're sort of sort of going to going to the youth team and, and having to pick out players from there. So and, until the until the injuries and Yuri Tillemans are suspended, I don't see how they could change much at all. And it's just become one of those situations where it's the the the, the sixteen games winless run. And the, the the atmosphere around the club, given the fall they've had from winning the league, what eighteen months ago now, um, it's just becoming sort of prohibitive and oppressive. It's, it's it's sort of that sort of depression that kind of has enveloped the club um, has, is is very difficult for them to escape. And confidence in football is, in my restating office, but confidence in football is obviously uh, a huge part of of success and and they have no no confidence no quality really of, of league and at least of top half league and standard available to them and uh averting this up with a with a manager who's completely untested untried has never been in a situation like this before in his career at any club he was at really um it's going to be very difficult because nobody it sound it might sound harsh but nobody kind of knows what they're doing it's 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 really it's really shocking and 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 it's a sad to see such a sort of a historic club in in such turmoil but i i fear for them I, they could get relegated it genuinely could happen and uh which would be quite amazing but it's going to take quite quite a turnaround for them to get out of this this slide yeah it's kind of difficult to talk about paris saint-germain tonight because they didn't really need to do much to win this one rich and they had a couple of game goals that were disallowed for var there was a couple of goals that were allowed for var so the topic I want to talk about instead of PSG for, for the moment, at least we have plenty of, of them later to come, but it is VAR because this was probably the biggest game league wise that I've seen, certainly that's utilized the new system and pretty successful. If all honesty didn't take long, they got the right decisions in the end. Can't really grumble. It's that showing almost that this is how it should be used. A hundred percent, you know, ultimately it was called upon for four decisions and all four were correct. Um, you know, the two, the, Cavani's first two goals uh, were ruled out for offside, went to VAR correctly, that they were then given. Uh, again, yeah, the two goals that PSG scored, you know, especially the Mbappe guy, it was a shame it was disallowed because the dummy that that he produced to to, um, to create that split second more space to get his shot away was, was sheer genius, but it was the right call. Um you know, the, the, uh, there's still the odd gremlin. I think there's still just that slight pause too long where nobody truly knows what's going on. Um, I think we saw that for the, the first Cavani goal. Um, you know, Monaco were preparing to take the free kick from the offside call. There was a pause. Was it going to VAR? Was it not? Uh, and eventually, yes, it was given. Um, and it was the correct decision. Um you know, I've got no problems with that, but you know, we, we've got a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people who are going to be against the introduction of VAR, especially in you know a league like the Premier League. Uh, you know, they're going to point to things like that. Oh, you know, we don't want those kind of delays. Well, you know, until the technology gets up to speed even further, and bearing in mind it's still very new, um, we're we're seeing the correct decisions being made. I think that's the main thing. You know, I don't think anyone can argue that actually looking back on those four decisions, um, that the, the correct decision was made. I think the one that was perhaps slightly curious, and you wonder how far VAR went into reviewing that, was the Jemison and Mbappe coming together, uh, with, with Jemison going down the back of Mbappe's heel. Um, you know, it looked it looked really bad in slow motion, and you just thought with the the sort of 
yelp that Mbappe came that gave him and you know the the you know, how clear it was that he was he was hurt uh, fortunately nothing nothing too serious but you just felt that you wouldn't have been surprised i think had that had var come in because it it didn't look great but you know it was called upon for for four big decisions and four big decisions it got right so no complaints there yeah just ironing out some creases really will help the the matter but a couple of good signs at least um moving on really to, to what we wanted to discuss on thursday because there was plenty of champions league action and both these teams were involved and, and let's start with paris Saint Germain for yourself adam it was a, a strange midweek really for paris it was earlier on in the evening liverpool playing red star belgrade or savena Savezda. um the, we all thought that liverpool were run out winners but instead the the old giant woke once more and and pulled off a result that put a lot less pressure on Paris Saint-Germain in a, in a way at least they went 1-0 ahead um but they still managed to only get the one all draw this time they they may be a little bit disappointed they couldn't nick it on on the night at least but at the same time the point does put them in a decent position so should they get well uh, now the we said that the Napoli game would be a big game it's now the Liverpool game that turns into a big one because a win there almost puts them through yeah, it's, it's so finely poised, this group, isn't it? That Those three teams, are, and even with Red Star in there now, it's what, 6-6, six, 5-4 six, in terms of points? Um, with PSG on 5, Red Star on 4, and Napoli and Liverpool at the top. It's so, so close. And I think I said on the previous podcast, you've, you've got the Europa League favourites in this group because all, all three of these teams are, you know, are, are Champions League knockout sides, at least. You know, at least round of 16 teams. So uh, it's, it's unfortunate they've all been joining in this in this same group, but that's the nature of this competition, of course. Um so yeah, I, I thought I actually was really impressed with PSG for long periods of this of this game. I felt like in the first half an hour, first half, they were really in control of the game. They were, it was the most mature and professional and s- sort of solid European away performance or European performance in general that against a big side that I've I've seen them have in the last last few years. And um, they looked like they had a plan. They looked like a team for once in the Champions League that knew what they were doing. And and it, it it paid off, you know. They they perhaps could have scored before Burnett before Burnett's goal and taking the lead. Um, Thomas Mina made a couple of wrong decisions when he might have played Neymar and Mbappe in, and that they might have had a goal there. Um, but it, it was a good display, and I think it it, it showed that the Thomas Tuchel effect is 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 happening slowly. But it, I think that's the right way to go about things because changing things at PSG uh, is going to be a difficult process. There's a lot of a lot of um, these conflicting agendas at PSG with the hierarchy and, and QSI and, and 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 the club itself changing the way they do things, even on the pitch, is going to be is going to be difficult. So, and I think the way that they've slowly moved to this three at the back, which they've now started what in the last three or four games now they they haven't switched back to a four for some time. Um, it worked, you know. It, it was sort of a slow, sort of glacial kind of move from one to the other. To took trying things out and just testing it, testing things, and he's sort of going towards the right balance. And I think the first half against Napoli was a sign of that, of that sort of evolution, um, which is something that PSG really, really need to to focus on. There's so many ingrained issues at that club. But um, obviously, the second half was, was was slightly different. Napoli, obviously, a very very good team at home in particular, and and PSG struggled to to keep them under wraps in the, in the second half, which is is no shame. And and they're a very very good team, and 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 that's 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 always going to happen. But there was really good signs for PSG. So um, I think that in terms of the games to come that you mentioned, yes, that Liverpool game is now huge because. Um, 
Liverpool's loss. Liverpool's loss, and they're 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 they pretty poor in that game. Becomes almost a decider because, um, you know, I think PSG. I think they will go to Red Star and win, uh, even though the other two teams have struggled there. I think that game suits PSG. That's something they're good at is beating a team that they are clearly better than, you know, into on paper than. So I think they should win that game, and it comes. It basically comes down to that 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 game in in Paris. So, um, really exciting. Uh, times ahead for 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 observers of French football because that'd be a that'd be a, a great occasion and Liverpool perhaps were favourites originally for me to win this group might now be my favourites to go out so um extremely tight and PSG uh, definitely evolving and hopefully they can keep that sort of upward upward trend going. Yeah, on the other side of the ball tonight and the other side of of everything really the other night, um, Rich was Monaco who uh, are now out of the Champions League they pretty much almost certainly going out of Europe altogether now with a 4-0 defeat to Club Bruges at home. Regardless of the injuries, it was a bit of a embarrassing performance, really. A lot of soft goals, especially the final one that there was the nail in the coffin, really. But it rang alarm bells before tonight because we knew that they might be in for a bit of a pumping and that's how it turned out. But out of all the results that have happened recently for Monaco, was this the most disappointing I think it certainly ranks as one of them, if not the most disappointing. It, it was an absolute shambles from from the get go, really. Um, you know, their their future in the Champions League was dangling by a thread anyway. Um, and before the game, I thought, well, you know what? Why not just chuck chuck all the kids in, just give all the youngsters some some European experience, and just see how they get on. You know, with a you know with a significant injury list with suspensions coming into play for, for this weekend's game. You just thought, you know, Henri's going to have to rely on, you know, he's already had to rely on youngsters. He's going to have to rely on more um, this season. Um, and especially as, as we, as we subsequently saw with tonight's game, why not just chuck them in? Instead, he put out what was actually a pretty experienced team. Um, you know, you just had two te- two teenagers um, supporting Falcao up front. Um but aside from that, it's a it's a pretty experienced lineup, and yet again, you know, the single biggest issue with Monaco this season have been those senior players failing to perform. You know, you've got a, you've got a, a, a league and championship winning defence um, in in Glick and and Jemison, and you know they were awful last night. Jemison was you know dreadful again tonight. You had Sidibe. We, we've gone on and on at length about our concerns and issues with regards to his defensive abilities. But, you know, he was diabolical that night. Tonight's performance must rank as one of the worst we have seen in a long time. Um, you know, he was he was at fault for pretty much every single PSG goal. Um, he just didn't look like he had a clue, didn't look like he cared. Um, absolute nightmare performance. And it's as I say, it's those senior players that have, re- you know, they let down Jardim at the start of the season. Things haven't changed with the arrival of Henri. They're letting him down. Henri, of course, is not going to be blameless here. But, you know, you've got seasoned, you know, they're, they're, they're veteran status, some of these players. And, you know, they've, they've, they've been there. They've done that. They've won the league with Monaco. And they're just not performing. Falcao... You know, we we've we've talked before about you know is he is he the same player since he came back from injury? Well, we have seen that, you know what he he has reached or pretty much reached those levels, but this season everything just looks so laboured with him. 
everything just looks like it's an effort. Um, you know, I'm not going to fault his mentality, but everything just looks sluggish. You know, movement is slow. Um, you know, he's off the pace with with everything. Touch isn't great. Um, you know, finishing is letting him down. And it's just, it's you know, he's just not one that's working out for. Um, but at least, you know, at least you can see a bit of effort from him. There are other senior players that we saw midweek that we've seen throughout this season and that we saw tonight that are just not putting in the effort that don't don't seem to care anymore um you know maybe i mean we can speculate as to the reasons why maybe it's that they they've seen other you know younger players um you know join and depart onto to pastures new and um, you know, it won't have helped that, you know, you look at today and Bernardo Silva put in an absolute masterclass for, for Manchester City against Manchester United. You know, and it's 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 all those what ifs. And you look at some of those players, Sidibe would be a, a prime candidate for that. You know, he'd been linked with moves to the likes of Arsenal, to the likes of Atletico Madrid. Nothing materialised. And you think now, well, who's going to want him? You know, I, if I'm a top European club, you know, I'm not going anywhere near him. If I'm a second tier, third tier European club, I'm looking at him thinking, there's better right backs around. <laughs> there's better right backs around. There's better right backs in Monaco's own team. Um, so you just think, as a result of those players coming and going, left some feeling a little disillusioned, uh, you know, uh, perhaps a bit of frustration, a bit of anger. You know, we, we, we saw it in parts with someone like Thomas Lamar last season. You know, he didn't get his move the previous summer and his form, you know, his form was affected by that. Um, and he wasn't anywhere near his best. He obviously was fortunate to subsequently get his move. But, yeah, there's there's too many senior players. You can't fault the youngsters. Um, you know, you can, it's impossible to fault 17 and 18-year-olds. You just can't. It, it the, the For me, the, the the vast majority of the, the mess that Monaco are in has to fall um, and the responsibility has to fall at the feet of those senior players. Yeah, absolutely. And it is really disappointing that they were awful in that game. And the, you you raised a good question, really, Rich, whether they should have started the young ones in that. And the, the pressure would be to start them in the next two games. But would that, at the same time, be throwing these poor lads to the Wolves against a, a Dortmund side that can't stop scoring and an Atletico Madrid side that, uh, oh, I don't know, it's, it's almost like a gladiator walking into the, the the pits of the Lions, isn't it? It's just a constant battle when you're playing a team like Madrid. And it's uh, maybe not the easiest brooding ground for them, but maybe something they, they're going to have to walk through. And in fact, they're probably going to have to walk through in league game with the amount of injuries that both, well, all sides of the ball have got at the moment really for them. It's a real mess there. Do start worrying about them. Let's talk about off the field stuff now because there's been a lot on the recent football leaks happening with this Beagle and, and uh, a lot of translations to France, at least that we've been using um, from our colleagues at Mediapar. Um, there's a few we want to go through tonight, Adam, but let's start with the one that also involves uh, the English club Manchester City in uh, the FFP rules. Now there's been um, mentionings from the football leaks uh, side of things that um, that both um, Infantino and uh, and Platini, while they were at UEFA, making um, shall we say 
allow uh, cutting deals with Paris Saint-Germain so they could skirt rules, make sponsorships seem larger, etc., etc. They were paying less for taxes for different things. Uh, little ways they would try and get around these FFP rules. What do you think about this one, really? Out of there's a couple more that are the next one, especially we'll talk about, is particularly shameful. But this one, it, it's a showing that the clubs aren't really well. UEFA at least aren't taking FFP seriously in a sense of for other clubs' sake. But at, this, at the same time, is this really surprising news to yourself, Adam, that they're, that they're skirting around the rules for, for financial fair play? Um, unfortunately, it's not particularly surprising. Um, I think um, that if there's anything that has sort of been an overriding feeling of the 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 running of football at that sort of level over the last five to ten years is that this kind of thing is is endemic and um the fact that uefa would would make these make these sort of um these headlines isn't surprising at all we given what we've seen with fifa and, and set butter and and the, the the corruption issues surrounding surrounding fifa there um it's 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 just it's just becoming very frustrating because I think you you hope that given the the, his, the history of of the game that we that we, we 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 love and that we support and that we watch and the the amount of scrutiny that it is under that the the running of 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 the game would be extremely well policed and be extremely well. Um, sort of be um, transparent, which obviously is not the case. And despite the the attempts made over the last five to ten years to change that, with was obviously the issues at FIFA and and people changing and and supposedly procedures changing. It seems that nothing actually, in terms of attitude and in terms of the way the people in charge of the game go about their 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 business their attitude hasn't really changed and that is the thing that is most disappointing that despite all of the 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 issues surrounding fifa over the past few years you would have felt that that uh, at the very least would have been uh, a wake-up call to those in charge that they, they could not continue in a similar vein and it feels like assuming that the the football league stories are are, are entirely entirely you know um valid um that it that nothing has changed and they haven't really taken that on on board so moving on to the 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 the, the whether they take ffp seriously i'm not all that surprised by that either because at the time when it was brought in you i had this feeling that the the clubs are what make uefa the, the, you know the the, the clubs the the celebrity status of the players and the the, the wealth and importance and um, marketability of the clubs are, are what make the Champions League great, not UEFA itself. So the clubs need money to, to, to sustain this model and, and they, they, need an NF, they, they need a very similar sort of start to NFL franch, franchise ownership, which is kind of what's developed. And FFP conflicts directly with that. And it, it just felt like that they were almost, you know, shooting themselves in the foot a little bit, given that it, you felt that, that the Champions League is a success because these clubs are behemoth, you know, entities. And to try and change that, although the intention 
in principle is the, is the right thing for the fans you would imagine and and given the history of the game and the development of youth players and and the importance to uh, sort of various communities in 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 for these teams that it, it was it was in conflict to the way the game was going so that the fact that they perhaps haven't taken it as seriously assuming again that that, that everything is 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 valid here um is is isn't a surprise so um to, yeah, so basically, I'm I'm not surprised, and and um, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 further further reports were, were emerged for in with similar clubs and other clubs and 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 other high profile officials. It's it's just something that is going to be very difficult to change in the long run, and it's not apparently it can't be done as quickly as a year or two. It's going to be a generational thing. Yeah, and it looks like some uh, uh, ulterior, well, outside properties that are trying to help up above uh, FFP in terms of the CFBC and stuff are still sort of chasing Paris Saint-Germain and they try to mend their books and bits like that. So there may be progress going nowadays, but it's, it's not a surprise that if these reports are true and, and do obviously mention that these are reported things from the football leaks side of things this isn't uh, yeah. to say that any of these are true to make sure we can cover yeah. our own backs nicely on this one um, yeah. but, I, was, yeah. I was trying to sort of weave that yeah. in assuming but, this is, is is the truth yes disclaimer yeah. they, with assuming these are true at least anyway with us in the point of the discussion but these are obviously reported bits from the football leaks and we take no responsibility on the authenticity of the content so do keep that in mind but the the the, the one that has been at least confirmed by the club um rich and this is the pre this is the shocking one really is that psg were alleged to have um a youth recruitment policy that discriminated against ethnic minorities um over the, since uh, 2013 to spring this year um there was players that they would look at that they would not make an offer to him because of the club because he was maybe black or, or other ethnicities um a disgraceful action from the club that the, since then paris Saint-Germain have, have, have confirmed that they're aware of something that happened with their scouting forms but do point to that being a rogue individual so we'll take them for their word for that but regardless of the employment of that person and hopefully he has gone they've not confirmed or denied whether that is the case i've not seen anything anywhere but rich it's appalling isn't it Oh, it's dreadful. You know, it's, it's, it, as you say, it's, it's absolutely shocking. Um, you know, we go back, um, you know, we go back to 1998 and the, the, the issues that the squad faced um, then with, you know, the various um, uh, nationalities that made up the squad and the, um, the, the ethnicities that made up and worked so well to bring World Cup glory. You know, we then had in, uh, I think it was 2011, the, the quota scandal uh, under the, the Laurent Blanc um, regime with the, the French national setup. Um, and then we have this, you know, France's biggest team, and it's leaked that they have a scout. Uh, supposedly they're pinning you know, it. It seems as though they're, they're, they're looking to, to pin this on, on this, as you say, this rogue scout that effectively was adopting a principle of, well, you know, I'm not going to be reporting back or, or looking to recommend certain players based on their ethnicity um which is you know it's appalling to hear in this in this day and age you look at you know everything that, that that's gone through in the world of football and and policies that have been brought in, in in place to prevent this kind of thing and it's 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 just dreadful that something like this has happened as as i say at, at such a huge club 
Um, it, it's it's Yang Gaboho, the uh, who's now he's now Ren, is the player that that seems to have uh, unfortunately sort of fallen fallen victim to this um, this sort of prejudice scouting. Um, but it's dreadful. <laughs> you know, you just you just read the reports and you just think it's at first you think oh you know I hope this is just silly speculation and actually you know what there's nothing going on here but PSG you know contrary to other reports have come out you know they came out pretty quick to confirm that actually you know what this this has taken place um you know it was a a rogue scout and we are conducting an internal investigation but i suppose the worry uh, you know, the, the the sort of question that you ask yourself is you know if if it was a rogue agent you know rogue scout um why why wasn't that internal investigation you know taken taken place when it happened or you know have have psg only found out via these football leaks it certainly doesn't read as though they've only just found out via these football leaks necessarily you know the the football leaks detail a a, a meeting that took place between um between various uh people within the the psg scouting setup and and youth team setup and you know it's some of it on on one hand it's it's good to see that that people were um you know questioning this policy and and you know are you serious is this you know we're, we're here to find players based on talent that that's it you know ethnicity religious backgrounds cultural backgrounds is irrelevant we're here to find players based on talent um but you know the 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 sort of transcript from that meeting does seem to suggest it is just this agent who's who's pushing this this policy of you know there are uh, you know in in his mind that there were too many people of of african and caribbean origin within the the sort of paris area and that they wanted to only look at players um who were who were not part of that that ethnicity um you know you, you have to think if it's if it's a rogue if it's a rogue scout, you know, shameful on PSG that he's he's got to that level with those kind of beliefs. Um, if, if if that's not worth me, if that's not bad enough, you know, the fear of course is that is he is he just a you know you obviously can only speculate and as you know with the caveat as you said before, um, but you fear is this is this going on at other clubs? Are there more people linked to it within PSG? How how big is that problem? You know, much has been made of 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 the sort of rise of the far right far right across Europe, but 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 especially with Front National in in France, and you just fear, you know, if, if things like this are creeping back into football, you know, it's it's a shameful thing if it's happened. We can only hope it, this is just one, you know, idiot with a with a such a uh, a dreadful opinion, and we can only hope that PSG. Do the necessary to ensure that he is properly dealt with if he hasn't been already, um, and that this 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 is not um, you know something that we need to be um, fearing as spreading more and more because if it, if it is, then you know there is a big problem here if if this itself isn't as big enough. So it's it's sh it is absolutely shameful um, that this kind of thing has still been going on. Um, so yeah, we we can only hope that this is just one one idiot, um, but we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Unfortunately, yeah, really fingers crossed because I mean, 
it's despicable, isn't it? Really, it should not be happening. And the hope is a, like you say, Rich, that it's not systematic of uh, of anyone else at Paris Saint Germain, and and I really hope not. But number two, hopefully, this man is completely done with football. Really, we don't need people like that in our game. Should be really employed ever again. Um, on to the final bit of, of football leaks resulting in Paris Saint Germain because they were really the shall we say hot topic on this one really, Adam, for at least French views, and that's the uh, the secrets behind the the transfer of of Kylian Mbappe. There's a nice long lengthy piece on our website if you want to check that out. But uh, basically, um, a lot of was demanded of of Mbappe ever since he was around about 14, really, regardless of where he was going. But the important ones, at least for for uh, now, really, was that a deal was pretty much agreed with Real Madrid um, up until the last moment, and then it ended up moving to Paris Saint-Germain. So some things could have been very differently, but the demands really as well were pretty extraordinary. That's probably why um, Real Madrid sort of shied away from it now, and Paris Saint-Germain had to talk them down from some crazy ones, from the fact that um, his father wanted them to pay for the, the stadium, a new stadium for the, the, the team he grew up with, which is against rules and chartered planes etc and a number of different things it's all, all reads a little if true absolutely insane doesn't it i mean even the fact that at the start of the summer when he did leave mbappe was pretty pleased to to, to spend another year at the stade louis do should he need to but um his father certainly wanting the move and wanting the the cash because there's there's plenty of cash involved and it <laughs> to the point where plenty of big rich owners were pretty unwilling to to bend to their will yeah, it's insane. It's 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 quite shocking, really. Some of the, some of the things that kind of have have sort of emerged from 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 this and the demands that were made. Um, I think though, it's it's kind of a sign of of just modern football, which which it almost sounds like an excuse, but but it really shouldn't be. But I mean, footballers are are often berated for earning, you know obscene amounts of money and and doing very very little for it which which is not true for a start they have a they although that you know they 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 do the, they're doing the thing that they they love in 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 most most cases um you know they have very hectic hectic life lifestyles and, and busy schedules during the season and, and a lot is expected of them um and the amount of money in football that they're going to be paid this those sort of sums of money so i think that unfortunately it's just something that is on the upward trend and it is going to continue like this and the, the rise of sort of the super agents sort of george mendes and 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 um guys of that sort of ilk mean that these sort of contractings are just becoming the norm and i have a feeling that although mbappe is almost the 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 at the zenith of the sort of modern football sort of wave if you like being the age that he is and the way he came through and the huge transfer fee that took him from Monaco to PSG and obviously his success at the World Cup, he's obviously going to be at the peak of this. I have a feeling that you would you would expect that transfers of a of a similar of a similar style, of a similar similar player, so a similar um, sort of attention would would have, have similar causes and similar discussions and offers would be made of, of a similar 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 style. So um, we just happen to know about the Mbappe ones because they've obviously come out assuming again that this is these are true for for the football leaks um, this week. So I, I think that unfortunately these sort of over the top demands are being are becoming more common simply because they can be met and football clubs 
uh, at the top level of the game, you know, the European Super League was obviously one that came out, one the headline thing that came out of this football, football leaks stories. All these clubs can afford to pay, or at least some of them can afford to pay these these obscene amounts of money. And although some may have turned the nose up them at in this juncture, they might not have much of a choice in in the near future. And PSG obviously the, the one of the clubs that can afford to, to to pay these these sort of these clauses and and these sums of money. Um, um, and, and obviously we're very happy to in this case, but I think it's just a sign of the way the, the, the football is going and, and we shouldn't expect or be surprised at, 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 these, at these bizarre demands because I, I imagine they're more commonplace than, than is being let on and they're only going to be, be even, even more common. So I think it's just a sign of the way the game is going. But reading through them and checking out the GFFN Twitter feed for the, for the specifics is, is really, really interesting just to see the, the, the discussions that I had. But I, I don't see it changing anytime soon. I think this is probably just a, a sign of a, a greater trend. Yeah, indicative. And I suppose the mm-hmm. the only poor thing for poor Mbappe is he's caught up in the middle of it. Yeah, I suppose he wasn't really privy to too much of these discussions from the looks of things. And um, it also explains maybe why he donated uh, plenty of his salary for the the France one to the charity because he certainly doesn't need it at least anyway, really more than anything. But in credit to him doing it anyway. But, yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. But, but uh, <laughs> there's there's clear reason why uh, why. Um, well, how modern football is going, I'm sure uh, some people will be turning in their graves, really. Let's get back to football matters then, really, now. And um, talking about the other team involved in Champions League footballers, obviously Monaco and, and Paris Saint-Germain, where they played on Saturday as well in, in Lyon, um, who got a, a lucky win, some might say, or at least a, a, a strong win in the end against Gangomp at the weekend. But let's focus on their game midweek, Rich against Hoffenheim, where yet again, against the German side, they managed to get themselves in front and then yet again, they managed to somehow weasel their way out of a victory in the end, even with the Hoffenheim down to 10 men. In the last second, Paris Jarbeck, um puts them back into the game um, 2-2 and Leon, from looking like they were pretty much through, now have to face a, a gauntlet against Manchester City again um, before facing Shakhtar on the final day, which made me leave the fate out of their hands depending on the, the other result. Yeah, I mean it's really frustrating because they, they've in both games against Hoffenheim, you know they've done the hard work, you know they played well, um, you know especially in that that first game you know, in Germany, they played so well, um, and then uh, you know that game and 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 the game during the week they sw- they switched off at ninety minutes, and both times they've been punished. And as I say, it's really frustrating because they've played good stuff. They have played good stuff, and really, they 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 should be qualified already. You know, they should be able to now, you know, sit back and and enjoy the visit of, of Manchester City uh, in a couple of weeks or so time. Um, it's safe in the knowledge that, that that qualification is is in the bag. It's now not. It now means you know what there is a chance they might need, you know, a a result of sorts against Manchester City. Because it's it's certainly not going to be um, not going to be easy to go to to go to the Ukraine on the final match day. Um, so it's 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 a bit of a uh, a bit of a shambles that they 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 could have let you know, could be leaving themselves in that because in all honesty, just you know, cumulatively across those two matches, you know, four or five more minutes of concentration, and and instead of you know two points on in the bag, they'd have had they'd have had six. Um, you know, by and large, across the course of, of both games, 
they, you know, you, you'd struggle to argue that they wouldn't deserve at least one of the wins, uh, arguably both, both, both wins. But you know, if you're going to switch off, you know, they switched off in, in that that game in Germany, didn't learn their lesson. That that's the real, you know, disappointing part is that they didn't learn their lesson. Um, you know, they 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 fought back really well in Germany. Um, and you know, three to go three two up with seconds left, really, and to to face the disappointment of only coming away with a point meant you know be on your guard, concentrate for the full game. Don't just concentrate for ninety minutes. You you got to remember there's going to be added on time. So to have done it again, um, you know, there there have to be question marks over the team. There have to be, um, but. <laughs> It's 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 if they don't qualify from this group, then you know Genesio, if he's not under pressure already, which he, you know, you speak to Leon fans, he he is, um, you know, he's gonna he is gonna be under pressure because Champions League was something that they were really targeting for, to have opened up with that you know fantastic win in Manchester, you thought oh, you know crikey they've they've the most difficult game of the group and they've got three points, you know maybe they should be going on to qualify from here. And to have thrown away winning positions with seconds left in two consecutive games now is a is a real, real issue, I think. Not ideal at all. And yes, Genesio will be under plenty of pressure. But the, the topic really on the game from Saturday afternoon isn't Leon, really. It's the team they beat in the end in Gangomp, Adam. We speculated that... Um, despite how well he had done previously and, and his reputation that Kumbare might be Teading a tightrope, and that ended up being the case. Midweek, he was given his marching orders, and replacing him is Jocelyn Govanek. It's an interesting move for both club and manager because, arguably, for the club, they know exactly what he's bringing. He's a good quality manager that did terrifically last time for them. But Govanek maybe feels like a little bit of a step backwards for him in a way. It's, it's not much of a sideways step we may have thought he would have taken. But what do you think to the move for both parties involved? It's an interesting one. I think. It's difficult to know where Gangon uh, are sort of thinking with this because Gorvanek got them promoted previously to, to Ligue 1, obviously, and obviously was won the Coupe de France, which was a huge success getting to your opening knockout stages. Again, a, a huge success. I'm just wondering whether they, they're sort of hoping he might be able to do it again because Gangon, if, if you look at the, their squad, they they sold Jimmy Brion, top goalscorer last season, Clement Grenier, who's been... Who's been who was very, very good for them last 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 season in creating from the field, Yana Celeber, and the only real player to come in the in the other direction of of note is Ronnie Rotherland, who's who uh, hasn't really hit the round, ground running and has been injured a substantial amount. He's missed he's missed seven games already this season through for injury. So they are very thin on the ground in terms of quality. And you take Rotherland and perhaps even just Rotherland out of that team, and it looks like a league dirt team. Um so I would argue that they're given given their sort of transfer business, they're they're playing at a league de kind of standard. They've got league de quality. And I don't see how they get out of this situation without significant investment in the summer, in the winter, sorry, which which is unlikely and it may even be too late by then. Um, as we saw with Mets last last uh, last last winter, when they were very far back and, and they had a run and and it trailed off. And they ended up finishing comfy bottom by the end of the season, um, and I, I have a feeling as well that 
the the sacking of Kambare might have been slightly short-sighted because if they are going to stay in this division, he is a man who is very well respected, a very, very good coach, knows the league inside out, uh, which is and he's been in this position before. And he had overtly switched uh setup and philosophy and his attitude towards games moving to five four one. They were undefeated in in five games, only winning one of those, but they've become very difficult to beat. And although they got absolutely torn apart by Norton last weekend, who obviously are on a very good run of form, Vasil Hali Hodzic has done a really good job, and they're they, you know the Gangot are not the only team that they they've they've been sort of putting a number of goals past. Beat Toulouse four 0 beat Montpellier three 0 in the cup. Um, um, I, I I just I just feel like he was he was had the right idea, and he is the type of coach that is capable of saving a team like this from relegation as difficult as it as it would be and he was on in the right going in the right direction so i think it may have been a little although we've discussed it before given their results were so poor and they're traditionally since being promoted to a mid-table side lower mid-table um that he, you know that he might go i think it may have been a little bit rash in getting rid of combari because i don't know that gorvanek in this situation is an upgrade on on combari so um for so for for gorvanek I think this is the kind of job he was going to have to take, sort of a lower third league league and team, given how it turned out at Bordeaux. It never really got going there. Um, and Gangon is the only real success he's had in in, in the top flight. So um, returning to a club of a similar stature, exactly the same stature, it turns out, made made sense. So I think for him, it, probably, it, it fits. But for the club, I don't know that Gorvanek has had any success in this sort of situation. And I felt Kambayra was going in the right direction. So... I'm not surprised, but I think it may prove to be an error in the long run. Yeah, it's an interesting move for both parties. But let's talk about Kumbari briefly, at least anyway, Rich, in terms of the the contribution he did bring to Gangomp. Obviously, he's been uh, sort of journeying around a few league and clubs, but uh, this was one of his uh, longest stints and did pretty well. He kept them into their mid-table spot when many thought that once Jocelyn Govanek had gone, that they would dip significantly. But he did an excellent job in bringing through players in, in, in wheeling and dealing, you may say, in the in the transfer market. I'm thinking of uh, bringing through the right kind of players to the club that, that just kept them above water plenty of times. There was a couple of minorly scary moments, but there was nothing that significantly worried them until this season. And um, in all honesty, it won't be surprising to see him pop up again in league on when there is a vacancy open. Yeah, I'd fully expect him to. You know, he's a he's a very experienced coach. Um, it may it may be it may be league that he pops up in, but um, he will be back. Um, I think with with Gangomp, it was just simply a case of um, you know the way that that club is run uh, with obviously such a limited budget. Um, they can only bring in a certain caliber of player. They can only spend a certain amount on on a particular kind of player as well. Meant that it was always going to be a fine line um, between sort of success, which for for Gangon was just you know I think re- you know, retaining league and status, and also you know, ultimately failure. Uh, and and ultimately, I think Comboare has just paid the price for. For that fine line, flirting to a little too close for comfort, I think to to the relegation side of things. Um, I think it would be difficult to say whether, if he was given the course of the season, um, he would get that team back on track. I think that's quite tough. Um, I'm, I'm actually of the belief. I think that the rehiring of Gorvanek is a is a good move. I think it it just brings back a little bit of 
positivity, I think, and a bit of you know, good feel back to the back to the club. He's obviously such a uh, such a legend with the um, you know with the for what he what he did with the club in his first stint. Um, but you know you, you can't not what Kambori did. It's a, it's a, it is a tough job. You know you've got to be an you know an excellent coach. You've got to be able to identify you know that certain kind of player that that Gangon can bring in. You know they're not going to bring in you know these amazing world class players. He needs to be able to identify and bring in solid players who can who can do a job in Liga. You know you look at uh, I suppose the, the the big one that you look at there was actually a bit of a, a bit of a coup really. I think was 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 bringing in uh, Clement Grenier um, last season. You know, it wasn't too long ago, obviously before all his injuries, that you know he was touted as as arguably one of the next big things from the the Leon Academy. So unfortunately, you know, injuries meant that that never really turned out to be the case. But I still felt it was something of a of a you know a statement signing. I think for 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 Gang, and there's no disrespect to him, but a club like Gangon could bring in a player like like Grenier, even with all his injuries. Um, and credit to Kambuari because you know he worked with with Grenier. He got his fitness back. Uh, he got him playing, you know, excellent football again. Um, you know, scoring great goals, being influential in the middle of the pitch. Uh, sadly, of course, that meant that it, he obviously um, attracted the eyes of other teams, and, and he moved on uh, in the summer to Ren. But you know that 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 kind of signing um, and that ability to to develop players. Um, I don't necessarily think Kombuare is the man to bring through young players. I think we look at the likes of Ludovic Blair and Marcus Coco. We've we've spoken a lot, few quite a few years now of, of you know these are talented youngsters, but they still remain just you know potentially talented youngsters. I don't necessarily think they have fully kicked on. Um, so perhaps you know there was that. That question mark over Kombuare. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's difficult to knock anybody uh, with that that Gangon job. Such a such a tough job that it is. And to have have um, you know have lasted a couple of seasons and, and kept them in the top flight, you know, you can't you can't argue that it was anything but a success. But as I say, I think he was just flirting a little bit too close for comfort with the fear that this uh, you know this run of poor form could have ultimately led to relegation. Yeah, let's see if they can maybe turn things around under new management. We shall wait and see, certainly. Um, on to um, our, well, our final topic tonight, before we, at least very quickly, before we go to our league and snapshots, and that's that we go to a, a, our final international break of 2018, at least anyway, uh, heading up. And um, it's an interesting one for France. It will be the culmination of the nation leagues for, for everyone. But the st- squad has said pretty similar really there's only a couple of of new names into the mix really and that obviously may change depending on uh, injuries and so forth but the big headline one that i want to mention really on this one adam is the reintroduction of anthony marshall who's had a terrific month or so with manchester united a few goals grabbed the penalty this evening as well for them to add to his tally but he's Resurged in confidence. He's got a resurging confidence with from Jose Mourinho himself as well. And that's really an him a callback, which it feels like it's well-deserved. It really is well-deserved. As, um, as as fellow Manchester United fans, Nathan, as you can tell, my, my thick Mancunian accent, um, <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're, I've been really, really excited to see him play regularly and to see him playing uh, on, the, on the front foot and to see him 
get regaining confidence over the last month or month or so and it is a very much um well deserved call up back, back to the squad um i think that the thing that's really stood out with him over the last over the last six weeks or so is his finishing obviously he's scoring scoring more a lot more goals than he has in the past perhaps when he's been used obviously he's still used on the wing but you sparingly in out the team and lacking confidence and talk about him leaving and wanting to leave and asking to leave and um, it, it feels like that confidence is returning and he's been given the chance to to play a little bit higher up the pitch in a, in a perhaps a bit more a, a flatter 4-3-3 with, you know, Pogba, Herrera, Matic, Fellaini in, 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 the, in those three midfield positions, him and Rashford, very pacey wingers supporting Lukaku or Lingard in, in, in certain situations, matter in there too. And he, he he's, he's doing what he does best, which is score goals. And the thing that's frustrated me up until this point is since Louis van Gaal left, he's been used. He has been used as a winger and hasn't had as much chance to 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 to, to be in the, in the position to take chances, be having to do a lot more defensive work. And um, because for me, he is a, a central striker. He's a he's a playing a person that should be playing a player that should be playing as a number nine in the central position. He should be playing in the middle of those three those three forwards because I think one on one, he's he's actually not great. Uh, when you when he faces up a fullback, he's very fast. But I honestly don't think he's got too many tricks, and I don't think he's too 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 skillful in that situation. But what he is good at is 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 working uh, working at an angle, working a shooting opportunity, and finishing off. He was great like that at Monaco. Played that front for Monaco most of the time. Was great in the, his first season at Man United. He was our top top goal scorer, and the fact that he's been given those chances more often. Is is directly responsible for this upward curve. So it's great to see him back in the in both the Manchester United team and in the France squad. And hopefully, he will emigrate back to a central striking role, maybe even before the season's out, with Lukaku out of form and and him being a little bit more conducive to to some of the more counter attacking uh, setups that Mourinho puts out, especially in bigger games. So it's great to see him him realizing that talent to some extent, or at least looking like he will given that he had dropped off a little bit and there was talk about him leaving. So um, it's great to see. Mm, absolutely. And it'd be interesting to see how Deschamps tries to use him if he does bring him on for any of these games coming up. Uh, Rich, I want to very quickly talk about an admission because I'm sure Arsenal fans will not really want me to dis- discuss Anthony Marshall's successful return because someone missing maybe from from this, who has had a, a great couple of months, is Alexandre Lacazette, who scored plenty of goals for, for Arsenal as well, and has been in the France team before, but can't seem to get a look in now. Some people are pointing to the fact that Tovan's maybe not been as great lately. I know that Deschamps loves Giroud, but he's also not really played for, for Chelsea up until the last week or so. Um, is he maybe a bit unlucky to miss out, even though there is such a oh, there's, there's such an amount of quality uh, going forward for France? Yeah, I think he is. I think the the, the big one will be to see, as you, as you, you rightly touched on, but to see will be to see how and if Deschamps uses uh, Martial in a central role. Um, as as Adam pointed out, that that is where Martial I think plays his best stuff. Uh, and if Deschamps utilizes Martial through the middle, then if I'm Lacazette, I'm sitting here thinking there's not more, not much more I can do. Um, you know, Martial, you would have thought looking at the squad, Martial has been brought to potentially play out wide. Um, which of course, you know, you can make the argument that Lacazette can do that, that's where he started, but um, no, no doubt that, that Lacazette is a is a central striker. 
Um, I'd like to have seen. I'd like to have seen him rewarded um, with a call up here. I think his form has deserved it. Um, you know, I think there are. You know, Tovan, as you say, he's not. He's not at his. You know, he's not at last season's form with Marseille. Um, but you know, it's it's also. You know, it's it's unfortunate that he's only had very limited opportunity and has not been able to take those those opportunities when they've they've come about. But um, I'd, I'd like to have seen Lacazette involved in some way. You know, Martial has, um, you know, he obviously fell out of favour at, at Manchester United, found game time at a premium, and that cost him his place in in the front in the France squad. Lacazette has has consistently been playing. You know, there's a couple of games at the start of this season with Arsenal where, you know, he, he was just sort of finding his feet under Emery, but, you know, his feet have firmly been found and, you know, he's back to his, his goal-scoring best. Um, you know, he's even forced Aubameyang out wide because, um, you know, Lacazette is such a force through the middle. Um, I just feel that, that you know, over the course of, of, of last season being his first in England and, and the start that he's made this season, I just felt the time might have been right to, to reward him with a with a call up and you know I'm not I'm not going to be questioning Deschamps you know I'm one of one of Deschamps biggest fans but there's a there's a question mark over you know what does Lacazette have to do or what the other people have to not do to be dropped to to, to bring Lacazette up and then of course the other one um, which may or may may or may not have come on to the other big one of course is Laporte at the back um, you know you look at the form that he's had this season. Uh, arguably been the best centre back in in the Premier League, um, and he's still not able to 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 get a place in in Deschamps squad. Um, you know the Sarko, who is you know he's a he is a um, a huge Deschamps favourite. You know we can't we can't deny that. Um, but you know he's not. I don't think he's necessarily a a player for the future, and especially if if it means that we're you know, we're missing out on Laporte in that squad. You know, he was a top-class defender in Spain. Deschamps didn't give him his opportunity. He's moved to England, and and you know now he's showing him you know, form in England of just what a top-quality centre-back he is. So that's I think him and Lacazette were the two big omissions for me that I'm I'm now struggling to find justifications why they're not in the squad, and are the two that I'd probably just be questioning uh, Deschamps slightly over. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Laporte will start trying to pick up the phone to to Luis Enrique instead. Should the should things not sort of transpire a little bit more with the French squad moving forward? But well, well let's hope he does get called up with his current form. Finishing off with our Ligue 1 snapshots, then, and I'll start with yourself, Adam. What haven't we talked about this week that our Ligue 1 fans should know about? Um, I I wanted to talk about sort of three at the back and a couple of comparable displays which really kind of stood out for me in the last in the last week by very sort of similar players in terms of their stature monaco uh at rons uh when they they lost 1-0 uh last last weekend i think it was um moved to a three at the back and they used camel glick as the right side of a three man defense which in just saying it out loud seems ridiculous um and obviously it it didn't didn't really work out and he was exposed for the goal um, and that it obviously runs one one nil and and looked completely shaky in 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 that position. Um, 
which which seems perfectly natural and then when because he's obviously uh, a slower defender these days someone that someone that's leads by example directs is very good in the air is an intelligent defender but can be exposed by pace and, and isn't the most mobile which when you play the right or left side of a three you kind of have to be he seems naturally suited to the center um but then marseille have played three at the back in the last in the last few games um, which seems to be, you know, with PSG moving in that direction, a number of teams, obviously it's becoming a little bit more fashionable in European football. Um, Marseille played uh, away at Montpellier, uh, away at Lazio in a similar setup, and and again today against Dijon. Now, they weren't brilliant against Dijon today. They won 2-0. Uh, Dijon, obviously, what, 10 games without a win now, I think, in the league. Only two points in that time. You know, so it's, it's not exactly a, a huge watermark, but they used Adel Rami in the same position, on the right-hand side of a three, which when I saw that in the week against Lazio, where he also played that position, I I felt that that was borderline suicidal, given that Kamal Glick had, is a very similar player. They have very similar skill sets. Rami, again, not particularly mobile um, and could easily be exposed there. But he's actually adapted to that role pretty well. And, and I, I sort of wanted to give him a sort of a some some praise and, and say that I was I was actually quite impressed with how he played against Lazio in the week and how how well he did this this afternoon in in that role. And and he scored both goals, which obviously isn't really much to do with him playing as the right side of a, of a, of a three man defence. But I think that he's a kind of he's the type of player that perhaps gets a little bit of stick because he's sort of been around a while. He's obviously getting towards the end of his career. He's 32 and he, and he isn't particularly mobile and, and he, and you know, pace does expose him to, to some extent, but I think he's shown in both those two games, although obviously they lost in, in, in Rome in the week that he has still something to offer to, to at this level and can adapt and is, is capable of, of being that intelligent uh, defender that perhaps was the case previously, and and is able to cover for his his colleagues and 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 be mobile enough. He's not very mobile at all, but is able to use that intervention and and to fill those gaps. So I was I just wanted to sort of highlight the fact that he he he's he's played well in that in that in that role and and is still an important part of this of this Marseille squad. So so fair play basically. Rich, what's your snapshot this week? Uh, it's it's Patrick Vieira, I think, slowly but surely finding his feet uh, with Nice whilst, whilst Thierry Henry sort of flounders with Monaco. Um, Vieira has, has has found the 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 classic Arsenal recipe of of winning one nil. It seems um, their their one nil win over over Nîmes at the weekend was their third on the uh, on the trot. Um, it's it's winning ugly, you know. They're not they're not playing particularly attractive football. They're not necessarily even playing particularly well, but they're grinding out wins. And after a really really sluggish start to the season, where they went four four games without winning, um, you know they're they're slowly but surely have crept up the table. They're now sitting seventh, and you know you just feel that that with a bit of backing, then in the the upcoming transfer window, you know that that winning ugly recipe can turn into, you know, winning attractively. Um, and so it's, it's, as I say, it's a, it's a, a new young manager, new manager to the league, finding his feet. Um, and uh, yeah, things are slowly, I think, turning round for, for Vieira and Nice. Yeah, I think uh, one nil to the Urge, so he has a bit of a, a ring to it, at least. Anyway, <laughs> it sounds uh, pretty similar to what we used to hear, at least. Anyway, or he might have heard, at least. Uh, that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to Rich, Adam, and all of you listening at home. There'll be no preview show this Thursday, as it's the international break. So do join us again for the main show, which will be back at the same time, same place next week. Abianto, and goodbye.